In today's episode, Scott Hallman, who has shared the stage with Tony Robbins, Chet Holmes, and many other high-profile thought leaders, shares the idea of constant pressure gently applied and why it is essential to your success as an entrepreneur. Are you hitting a wall in your business because you feel like you're too busy? Do you ever wish there were more hours in a day? This podcast is for hyper-focused entrepreneurs who want to learn the secrets of superhuman productivity. Together, we're going to kick procrastination in the teeth. We're going to slice through BS excuses like a katana blade. We don't ever wonder what happened because we're the ones that made it happen. My name is Josh Thomas. You've now entered the do zone. Welcome to the DZ Tribe. A lot of your problems can be solved just by removing some foods, some people, and some habits. Travis Freer. DZ Tribe, Josh Thomas. If you haven't already, check out thedozone.com for productivity tips, accountability, and overall just a bunch of really great, amazing human beings looking to get more stuff done. Once again, that's thedozone.com. Dot com. And by the way, speaking of the do zone, uh, I've got a special guest today who definitely personifies the do zone in any way possible. Uh, so you've heard of legends like Tony Robbins, Chet Holmes, Joe DeSena, but you probably haven't heard of the person who coached all of them. And today's guest is Scott Hallman. Scott is the silent assassin that business owners hire to find hidden profits. His companies have twice been named in the Inc. 500 list of the fastest growing privately held companies in America. He also co-founded an IT consulting company that grew from zero to $85 million in just 21 months, valued at nearly $1 billion. He launched his first coaching program with Jay Abraham, and his advice has led to billions of dollars with a B for thousands of entrepreneurs in over 280 countries, ranging from biotech to a pumpkin grower. Yes, you heard that right. (laughs) Scott, welcome to the Do Zone. Say what's up to the tribe and tell us something you believe is the key to getting stuff done that most people wouldn't think of. All right. Well, first of all, yeah. Hello, tribe. Yeah, it's great to be here. And, uh, you know, it really, uh, I think there's probably two things to answer that question about, about getting things done. Uh, the first is, you know, our tagline is it's all about implementation. And, you know, there's, there's so many things we learn. You know, there are uh, ideas everywhere about how to grow a business, how to be more productive. And at the end of the day, we can't do them all. So it's all about implementation. One of the keys is to basically narrow that down and prioritize so that you can actually take the actions that are going to move the needle wherever you want it to go. I mean, that's one of the most important things that 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 we talk about. You want to get things done. Awesome. And you know, with with the breadth of experience that you've had with so many different companies, so many different industries, so many different high profile entrepreneurs and thought leaders, if you were to, you know, I may be asking too much here, but if if somebody would were to come up to you and say, well, with all of this experience and exposure you've had to all of these different industries, how could you boil down the one true key to success that you've seen across this? And I, and I know you have a book called Hyper Growth uh, that, that kind of encompasses this a little bit, but, but what are some of those keys that you've really found to help somebody be wildly successful 
in this day and age? You know, it's 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 interesting. It goes back to something I've been I've been teaching for years, and it's around optimization. And it's I call it, you know, you're opti- optimized to maximize. And if I go back in history, when I far- started my first business, I went to college at USC and went through the entrepreneur program. And I started a business right after college, of course, with no experience, I book knowledge, but no experience. And the other thing I didn't have any is money, no money, nobody I knew with money. And I, I started this business and um, I started on the side after hours and it took off like crazy. And so I quit my job um, with no no real savings. And the biggest challenge I had was the business. It it exploded. You know, I just created a new concept. It exploded. And all of a sudden I ran into this thing called cash flow or lack of cash flow. So early on, out of necessity, I had to optimize everything. I had to make sure that we got the most sales out of our leads. We had to, I had to make sure we maximized everybody that went through the sales funnel, all the hospitals went through the sales funnel. I had to maximize every dollar. I had to maximize the productivity of the people that worked for me because I didn't have any, I didn't have a choice. So when, even with all these successful um, companies that you mentioned that come and and work with me and work with my company and a lot of amazingly successful entrepreneurs, nobody's ever necessarily heard of, you know, out in the public, um, they always want to come and say, teach me something now. And I say, if you want to be more efficient, you want to be more productive in your company, the very first thing you need to do is focus on optimizing what you're already doing. Right. And, and it applies not just as business or business growth. It applies to everything we do in our business and our lives. You know, it's, it's all about um, it's all about breaking things down, anything down into into the parts. And once you break it down in the parts of the steps. Now, when you look at making a small improvement to each one of those things, you create this 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 um, this stacking effect that, that becomes rather significant. Man, so that's that's really the key in what I've seen um, in, in all of the companies and businesses that I've helped and worked with as a consultant uh, over the years. They're they're looking for that. OK, what's the next shiny thing? What's yeah. that next hack, that next trick? And oh, well, I should probably say these words and not those words. Uh, but what you're talking about is blocking and tackling. Uh, when I talked to, uh, I spent a, I spent a day with Jay Abraham, and I know you've worked with him. Uh, Jay is a genius, and when I spent the time with Jay, he was talking about fundamentals. He wasn't, he didn't spend one second talking about anything that he didn't learn, like. 40 years ago, you know, it was, it was all like, here's the basics. Here's the fundamentals. You have to find a starving crowd and sell them a hot dog. I mean, that's what you have to do. And, and here's a guy who has created hundreds of millions of dollars for himself and for others around him. And he just sticks with the basics, get really, really good at those basics. Yeah, it's it's at the end of the day, that's what it's about. And it's that's why I use the tagline. It's all about implementation. And, you know, um, Jay Jay and I did a program called Four Star Coaching. And and out of it, you know, is because Jay's Jay's, you know, his concepts and his strategies are brilliant. What I did early on is I took what he was teaching and I took what Jay Conrad Levinson, the guerrilla marketing guy, was teaching and a bunch of other books. And I said, well, but how do you do it? And it's an interesting story. So when Jay and I started that program, 
It's called Four Star Coaching. We got 68 people that signed up for this program. And it's early days, Josh, where we were going to talk about our pearls of wisdom about how companies can increase their productivity and their profitability and, and their sales. And um, we're going to get them on the phone twice a month. So think today like a webinar, you know, kind of one yeah, of those yeah. webinar things. And uh, technology was much more cumbersome back then. And you know, rotary, rotary dial phone to get on the party line. And <laughs> it was like 500 bucks a month or something. And, and we like <laughs> 68 people. And Jay's used to doing things with, you know, hundreds and thousands of companies. And he says, I, I don't want to do it. I said, well, I just wrote this program called The Power of One and I, I you know, teach these 12 fundamental concepts of how to optimize and, and grow your business productivity. Yeah, I'll do it. He said, you know, if you want to do it, we made a deal. And he said, you take it and run with it. So I then thought, well, what I'm going to do is flip everybody into coaching, right? That's, I'm going to cross sell them into coaching. And something like 54, 55 of the 68 went to coaching. And you, you know, you've done coaching. All of a sudden, you're starting 54 new clients. I mean, it was... Uh, it was really, really a challenge. But anyway, the, the, the important distinction here is I thought I wrote this program. I studied everybody's stuff. I put all the step-by-step -step procedures in place. This is all, perfect. It's so good. Everybody's going to love yeah. it. It's good. And it just, just paint by the numbers. And then I, it didn't work because <laughs> I, I started to learn that, well, they're different. Their team's different. Their skill letters, they're different. Their clients are different. And what I realized is I needed to teach the how of the how, right? It was, it's not just enough to have the ideas. Now you have to say, how do I take that? And this is what we do in our, our uh, coaching company is we help companies be able to take what they've learned and apply it in their unique environment. And until you can do that, it just either becomes overwhelming or it's not something you can produce results with and you stop. So that's what I did. And I went back to the drawing board and said, I really need to teach people how to basically apply anything within their companies based upon where they're they're at. And I created a concept called the 50% solution, which said, I'd rather you get 50% by doing what you can do than getting stuck on the other 50% and not implementing this. Hmm. What was the what was the rule again? The rule of 50? It, 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 was, it was called the 50% uh, solution. 50% solution. Got it. Yeah. Which, you know, because we all try to say, okay, okay, I'm going to implement this. I got to get it all right. I have to do it all right. And I think, no, no, it's like Dan Kennedy. Good is good enough. Just, you know, just do it. If you just do it, you'll build upon it, by the way, once you see the results. I think one of the biggest challenges that anybody has with productivity or growing their business or applying new things in their business is they get they get caught up in having to get all the steps right and they meet by committee and et cetera. And a lot of times I'm not saying be irresponsible, but just dive in and begin to do it, do it in a safe test. And then momentum will create itself and you'll just keep improving and keep optimizing until you ultimately get where you want to go. You know, you know, there's uh it's, it's fascinating how you, you and I, are basically saying some of the exact same things, but we're using different words and different concepts to get the same point across. And it's and it's kind of coming back to your original point of just focus on those fundamentals, optimize what you're already doing because that's the only thing. There's nothing new under the sun. Um, and so my version of what you're saying is, uh, I have this uh, I have this concept called the the infinite learning paradox. And that's like a bunch of fancy words together so that it would sound cool, right? It does sound cool. It does sound cool. You're like, I don't know what the hell that is, but I want I think I feel like I need to learn it. <laughs> right. And so the idea is this, and we're we're not on video here, but I'll I'll show this to you. It's a it's a limit equation. I don't know. Yeah, you can yeah, see yeah. that I'll, I'll just 
yeah, I'll describe it. And so uh, for for the audience, if you if you draw a quadrant on a piece of paper and then you have this kind of hockey stick curve that gets ever closer and closer and closer to the y-axis, but in a limit equation, that line never actually crosses the y-axis. It just gets infinitely closer. And so that quadrant on the left where the where the graph where the line is, we're going to call that quadrant knowledge. And that quadrant on the right, um, where the line is not, we're going to call that results. And that hockey stick growth line, we call that confidence. And so when you're learning something, let's think the first podcast you listened to about being an entrepreneur and starting your own business and going your own way, the first book you read, you're like, wow, this is amazing. And then the next one, it was like, yeah, that's great. The third one, okay. I mean, there's some repeating material, but it's, you know, by the time you get to the sixth or seventh book, you're like, all right, I don't know if I need to really learn more, but I'm just going to keep learning just in case. Yeah. The problem is that that Y axis is called action. And you have to cross that action line in order to produce any results. And so this 50% solution is do the things that you know you can take action on so that you can get the results because action is the only thing that leads to results. Yeah, it's great. It's great. And then what has to happen, by the way, that once you take action and if you're if you do the other things we teach, which is about, you know, measuring results and metrics and whatnot, what will happen is you'll start to see the results. You'll start to see the results and then you, you're just going to keep going back and optimizing. No, we're always going to go back and break it down. We implemented this thing, this uh, productivity thing in our company uh, where we, we, we put everybody on the CRM. You try and use all the capabilities of that CRM, you'll never get it off the ground. You never get across that access, right? And so you just have to put it in place, put the basic information in place, and start building upon it and building upon it and building upon it. Now you write the reports I want, and it becomes more and more useful over time. But if you try to do everything up front, you're never going to cross the access. You're never going to get it implemented. And, and, and that's what we find consistently with virtually anything in a company. And right now we have this challenge, which is, you know, we... There's just so much information, as you mentioned, so much information, so easy just to become a professional learner, you know, mm -hmm. and you're, you're not, you're never going to get across that access. And, uh, you know, as I shared with you before the, before we, we jumped on live here was that, you know, we're facing, you know, we're in a recession or close to recession. You know, we, we're in the longest boom time in the history of America, at least it's my, for my research, 13 years. And, um, you know, business for most entrepreneurs has been relatively easy. And I know somebody says, Scott, did you just miss mm -hmm. the pandemic, et cetera? I said, yeah, I did. And I also saw the billions and trillions of dollars that was given to everybody. And so I'm not saying people didn't go through some businesses were rocked really big, no doubt about it. Um, and so if you put that aside, it's just been, you know, um, demand's been up there and, and, the, and the economy's been growing and, you know, and it's, it's been relatively easy compared to when you lived through recession. So I'm going to guess if I were to, to survey your audience, I'd find that vast, vast majority of them never have lived through with these, this hyperinflation, I'm going to call it what it is. It's not, you know, it's a big number. Um, you know, I started my first business in the worst recession since the great depression and double di double digit inflation. And, you know, it, it's just little simple things. Like if you're not on top of your pricing and you're not moving your pricing, you're not shifting how you can increase that pricing, your profits get wiped out in one year. It's amazing, you know? And so, you know, understanding how to navigate inflation for productivity purposes and for, and for profitability purposes is crucial. 
And the other thing is we haven't had a recession in 13 years. I'm not, a, I'm not an economist. I don't know if it's going to happen next week or next month, but I can tell you that this is unprecedented. And so, you know, most businesses, because it's been relatively easy, again, forgive me for those of you who it hasn't been easy for, and I know you're out there, um, you know, that you need to prepare for a recession. So these fine-tuned things that you teach, you know, looking at incorporating and taking action and a 50% solution and getting across that X access to move things forward, that skill will give you such an advantage in a recessionary uh, and inflationary uh, economy. You know, I think it, the the most visible example of what you're talking about, because this is really the double whammy in a way, because uh, whether however you decide to define what a recession is, apparently that's under debate. Uh, but uh, however you decide to define that, if we're not in it, we're close to it. And there's no objective way that you can say that inflation has not been an issue in the past 18 months. And now they're hitting us both at the same time. And yeah. I can't, I can't in recent memory think of the last time that that happened, unless I go and consult the history book or something or ask my parents, yeah. you know? <laughs> and, and so you're dealing with both of these at the same time. And when you didn't have to deal with these, uh, Money was dumb and easy. You know, it was like when when you're a really attractive person, you can go and find, you know, anybody you want at the bar. Uh, but then all of a sudden, you know, recession and inflation comes and you get real ugly real quick and you got to rely on your skills. <laughs> and and the best example for that is in real estate. Uh, it is not difficult to get a real estate license and start by uh, helping helping people buy and sell houses uh, as a real estate agent, and I, uh, you know, I'm there are lots of good ones, uh, but it's not that hard to get a license. It's not that hard to get out there and go find deals. And for the last five or six years, I'm in Austin, Texas. Basically, you fog a mirror, you stand outside of the house. Somebody's going to come by and make an offer that's like a hundred thousand over the asking price, yep. and you look like a genius. Because yep. you stuck a sign in the yard, right? That went away real fast. And people, the people with skill are going to stay. And the people that were just standing there with the sign, they're going to evaporate because they don't have any skill to back it up. That, to me, is the most visual representation of, of what you're talking about. That Because if you don't have that skill, you become a commodity and you become irrelevant. You become unnecessary. To a certain extent, is that kind of is that kind it of what is, you're saying? It is, it is, and I would say for everybody, you know, that's listening to this, is that that's correct. And so I would say, you know, when you when I talk about optimization, I talk about you know what should you do. It's getting back to the fundamentals. It's getting back to what you mentioned that Jay had mentioned. You know, it is. I give you an example. 2009. I'm on stage and presenting at Tony Robbins' event, business mastery event. And I get off the stage, and I'm actually going to the bathroom. It's kind of a funny story. And this guy comes running down the hall. And he, I, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. You can save me. You can save me. I said, what? What? He goes, oh, okay. I've helped 10,000 people. We we have these sleep labs, and we test people for sleep apnea. And, and but, you know, I, I just, I'm not making money. I know I'm close, you know, but everything's been so hard lately. And, and um, you know, and so I, I said, well, look, you know, con here's my here's my card. I had a card at the time. Contact me. So, he contacted, Steve contacted me um, and we just began breaking down the process. Now, so he was successful, but he was 
almost going to go bankrupt because he just he didn't, didn't seem quite have things dialed in. And all we did is said, well, how do you get your leads? And he said, well, I get my leads from doctors referring to us. I said, well, let's talk about how you can get more of those. Does a doctor know when to refer to you, right? And so we, we had to create a whole educational program. And then it was, well, then the people come to me, then, then the people contact, we get the script from the doctor. Well, nobody wants to go sleep with a bunch of wires hooked up to them all night long in a hospital, right? So that's not <laughs> this, the first I mean, you know, some people, but not everybody is just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, unless you're Frankenstein or something. So, you know, and so you they had no process for following up and contacting people, the, the patients, to be able to motivate them to come in and actually book for the event. Mm-hmm. And we went through this process and his his the number his number of what are called sleeps which produce revenue for him went up 67% in less than 90 days just from doing that process now say it another way if you don't do that and you go through the recession like Steve did who luckily stayed alive but if he had those things in place we wouldn't he wouldn't have chased me down the hallway right that's mm-hmm. the important thing. If you don't have those in place, you're going to be 67% down. And so, you know, this is an important, I think, a takeaway for everybody. Everybody I'm talking to them and I'm saying, you need to really make sure you're optimized because your your, your competitors won't likely be, uh, and you will actually gain a huge advantage in, in the marketplace when a, when a recession hits. You need to make sure you're optimized because your competitors most likely won't be. And, and, and why won't they be? Because... It requires effort and people are going to take the path of least resistance. And so if it's easy, you're probably doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah, you got to get get across that access. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. Got to cross the Y axis to the results. Yeah, that's a great point. And uh, so let's let's do this. Uh, we'll, we're going to get into, uh, Scott, the do zone diagnostic. I'm just going to ask you five rapid fire questions so we can see how your brain ticks and soak up all the knowledge that we can. First thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Yep. Awesome. Well, what's one thing that you do that keeps you focused on your goals? Um, I, I basically have created a daily show it you have hanging here. I have a daily ritual page. It looks like an Excel spreadsheet and it has the five or six things I'm working on that month. And I literally, anyways, um, and I, I literally take and have the things down there and I, ch- I check, off, check off or mark in every single day where I want to be. So I've got my goal for the week and then I write in where I want to be. And every time you write a number that's nowhere near your goal or you didn't do it, you didn't get up and meditate, you didn't exercise, um, you know, every time that you miss that, you visually see this every day. And it's a little, it's just a little, you know, I, I use this term called constant pressure gently applied, you know, with all my clients of anything, it's what it takes. And it creates constant pressure gently applied to go, crap, I didn't do it, you know? And, and for versus write down your goals at the beginning of the year and revisit them next year, right? That's right. So, <laughs> all right that's as rapid fire as I can get. I'm talkative guy, so go ahead. Oh yeah, you're okay. So say this again for me, uh, gentle pressure. Constant uh, pressure, gently applied. Constant pressure, gently applied. I love this. Nobody uh, wants to get the shit beat out of them. So this is just a way of just, you know, constant pressure, <laughs> gently applied. So 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 I'm going to punch you, but very softly yeah, and yeah. all the time. <laughs> love it. Then you'll be tough. Uh, and so, Scott, how do you get back on track when you lose that focus? Um, 
Well, the first thing I do, uh, it's, it's the first thing I would probably say, what causes me to lose the focus and what I do when I lose the focus is I dive into emails. I dive into things that I can do easy, mm. right? So now I'm do doing kind of mindless tasks, you know, or I'll go literally go pick the weeds up my yard or something. I just get sidetracked and the rabbit hole. And so I, I, that's the behavior that I have. And so what I, I end up doing normally is, is setting aside and scheduling time in the morning to basically get back and lay out my foundation and, and get back there. Because if you don't do that, the minute your left brain gets going in the morning, you're right back in that pattern. And it's tough for us to get, to get out of, you know, it's like, it's a, it builds on itself and you're on this hamster wheel all of a sudden. So the, the answer is, is to basically schedule in the morning time for myself to basically reset. And I don't do it all the time. Believe me. And I mean, I struggle like everybody else, but it's, it, it is, uh, the, new, the more times you do do it, the more consistent you are, the greater your outcome will be. Nice. And who is your support group and how do they keep you accountable, Scott? You know, it's interesting. Um, uh, my family is a great support group and we're very, very open family. We talk a lot, but my, my greatest support group, and it's going to surprise you, um, is my clients. Mm. So I, I have like 25 clients in 25 different industries and, um, you know, they're, they hold me accountable. I mean, it's like, you know, they're with, if I, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to, I'm going to go and be on podcasts, for example, and then I'm going to share the message, you know, and I get on the call, call with them two weeks later and they say, you know, how's that coming? And I say, I haven't done anything with it. Or if I say, I'm going to do a Spartan race, you know, Joe DeSena was one of my clients. I'm going to do a Spartan race and I've signed up for it now. And so, uh, you know, my clients keep me accountable. You know, I think when you tell people, here's what I'm going to do. Um, you know, when you're verbal about it, which is I am, then you're open yourself up for somebody saying, have you done that? Um, and so that would be my answer. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty effective. And it's, you know, I, I learn as much from my clients as I teach them, which is a really great dynamic. And um, so that's what I would say. Nice. And how do you approach a difficult project that you're not sure how to complete? Uh, yeah, that's pretty easy. It's, you know, the the number one thing you need to do is, as Tony Robbins talks about is crunch it down. You know, if you, you, it's all about, um, I, I learned this from, you know, when I was writing my book, you know, if you sit down to write a book and you're going to, now you're going to take time to write that book and then you take breaks and you come back to write the book again, uh, and you're really trying to tackle it chapter by chapter, it's, it's so difficult to get done. But if you can crunch it down and say, I'm going to just write one chapter, I'm not going to think about it at all until that chapter is done, and then I'll move on to the next thing. That's one method. My method was a summary of 12 chapters. And then I came back around, right? Just sound like optimization. And I then began building upon it because otherwise I found it so difficult to get back to where I wanted to go to, right? So it's just all about breaking it down. You know, we just can't, you know, can't, you know, can't swallow the elephant in one bite, right? So it's, uh, it's about crunching it down. Nice. I like that. And uh, finally, uh, what is the number one pro tip you would give to someone looking to get more stuff done in less time? Um, the number one thing I would do if, if I had to, to be able to get things to, to get more things done would be I have a hard time with one. So there'll be this will be an answer. Maybe I'll put a, a, some you can give me one and a half. I'll, I'll give accept. you one and a half. Yeah, I really think it's about prioritizing, you know, it's really about understanding what your priorities are and getting rid of the rest of the crap off your list. It doesn't mean that you don't do things, but you, 
you know, I teach you, I, I remember you talked about the 25 hour day. I'm actually coming out with a, a book. It's a little small book called the 25 hour day. And so I actually listened to your segment on that because oh. I think it was, she's already done it. But what you're talking about was a little different. I'm going to bring this back to the answer. Sure. My 25 hour day is about adding an hour a day to your life. It's a little bit different because you don't have 25 hours. Mm -hmm. And so what are the, what the book's all about is how do you now stop doing things that you don't really need to do? And how do you combine multitasking, not mentally, but physically? So, you know, I mean, in there, it's all everything from, you know, when I'm going to the bathroom, I'm doing something right. And, and when I'm riding my, my treadmill, I'm doing something, I'm eliminating small things. And if you just start thinking about how can I eliminate an hour's worth of things I'm not supposed to be doing each day, you literally pick up that hour. So it's, it's, it, it doesn't conflict with what you said. It's just a different way of get trying to get that hour by not wasting our time on small little things. You yeah. Know, that, the things that we shouldn't, we shouldn't be doing. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and for for those of you who have not heard that episode, uh, the twenty five hours a day. What the point that I was making there was uh, a lot of people say, "Well, hey, gosh, I wish there was more hours in the day." Yeah, you just uh, eat them up. And but if there were, you would just gobble them up with some other garbage yeah. anyway. <laughs> and I agree with that a thousand percent. <laughs> right, but if you can find something to take that hour off your plate, technically you are buying that hour back. And that's you're really doing something. Right. You take it off your plate. You're doing something. And by the way, you know, I really started teaching this. I tell all my clients, you want six weeks paid vacation every year, free up an hour a day. You know, but you right. It's not just saying give me time because I'll just fill it with a bunch of busy crap I'm already doing. Like you said, yeah. you're gonna just gonna do more stuff. It yeah. is if I don't do this task and I do something that's that uh, is gonna be more productive for me, I'm gonna move the needle. If I if I multitask physically, like I never. If I'm when I'm lift weights, uh, which I do, you know, multiple times a week, I'm listening to something that's feeding my brain, right? Because it's just that me, I'm getting something done, so I'm getting two things done at the same time. So Scott, you have you have worked with or coached uh, a a very elite list, kind of the who's who of the thought leadership space. Uh, I'm sure that at least a good chunk of the people who listen to this podcast are kind of curious, like, how do you work your way into, uh, into those personalities, into those groups? Uh, how, how did you get your start in that? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. You know, I think it is, first of all, you need to be a giver, right? If you're not a giver, you're not going to, you know, you need to be, you have to have a mindset you're going to give first. So you know, years ago, I met Chet Holmes and, and uh, I was helped him through something that he was working on and gave to him. And then in turn, he reciprocated to me. We then became friends. Um, he then began coaching Tony Robbins or not coaching Tony Robbins, but working with Tony Robbins. Um, and, and, you know, Chet, by that time, I gained a lot of confidence in my ability. He'd watched me in my whole path of growing. And so you know, he introduced me to Tony Robbins and I got on this on stage, you know, for, but was a pre-business mastery. Um, and, um, you know, was able to strut my stuff on stage, you know, and, and when you have that moment, by the way, you better shine, you better be prepared. You got to be prepared in advance of the big break, right? You don't get the big break, you have to be prepared. And so I got on stage, you know, it went really well, I get standing ovation and I go to walk up the stage and Tony grabs my arm. I never met him before, grabbed my arm and says, can you hang for a while? And, you know, so, you know, I had my opportunity to, to, to make an impact. And um, so I think it is be prepared in advance, be a giver first. You look into how you can help other people and then it'll be the, it'll be Childini's, uh, you know, uh, 
uh, law of reciprocation will take place. And I think that's the fastest and best way to do this. It's not, it's not, it's not necessarily who you know. I mean, eventually it's who you know, but mine, mine was in the way of a break, like that, you know, I could have just, I was able to get on, on stage at Business Mastery, or the pre-Business Mastery, I can't remember what it was called. Um, and I, and I was prepared. I had, I was prepared to be able to do that. And so I think it is not looking and feeling like I got to go meet the right person, but I have to be prepared so that when I have that opportunity to strut, whatever my unique stuff is, it will get noticed. And I think that's the most important advice I could give anybody. That is so cool. Yeah. You, you don't get an advance on the big break. You got to be prepared. And that's what you said. Yeah. Earlier. yeah, and, yeah. You know, what's fascinating about that is I, I wouldn't necessarily call this a big break for me. Uh, but I've never been a, uh, like a on stage kind of guy, you know, I have done business differently and, uh, I got an opportunity to go and stand up in front of 450 people, uh, by myself on stage, 20 minutes by myself. Yeah. I had never done anything even remotely close to that. The closest I'd been is I led a panel once, but there were like eight other people on stage to divide the eyeballs. And so I was like, okay, you yeah. know, but and I didn't realize that 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 was coming until a couple of days before. And I realized, okay, I'm going to get up on stage. And this is a big break. This is an opportunity to really shine and to show that I can actually do this. And just following your advice there and inadvertently, my preparedness, because I walked up there without a script. I had a loose idea of what I was going to talk about. Because every other time I had tried to get up and do something and follow a script, it was just like crash and burn because I'd get lost yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But I knew what I wanted to say. Uh, I just didn't have it written down. And that preparedness was every other episode that I do for this podcast is a solo where I'm standing in front of, I'm sitting here in front of a prompt that is one phrase, one sentence, a couple of words. And I just taught for like 15 minutes on that topic. And I had been doing that for like six months prior. And so getting up on the stage was basically I'm recording a podcast and some people are going to watch me. And, yeah. and I was prepared and I got that and I smashed it, man. And I smashed it not because I'm amazing, but because I did all of that little incremental work to 50% solution along the way to make that possible. So I, I oh, love this. You don't, yeah. you don't get an advance on your big break. So you got to be prepared. I'd say probably, you probably coupled your coupled it with your amazing, right? You coupled it with your amazing. Right? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, it's, you gotta be, you gotta be modest on the podcast. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but so, so Scott, tell me about hyper growth. Uh, where did this come from and, and what were some of the key lessons that you learned from that? You know, it's a fascinating pro pro project. So it started off in it's I'm kind of embarrassed to tell the, the story, but it started off where I had a guy contact me and say, hey, you know, uh, we're a marketing company and, you know, we're going to help you write a book, interview, interview 12 people from whatever walk of life that your clients come from. And then they'll just all hire you. And it's just that that was the purpose of the book. And so I... I said, well, I'm going to go interviewing 500 CEOs because I was one. I was on the list twice. I think that'd be kind of cool. Well, I started interviewing them. First of all, because of my background and because of what I've done and because how many 500 people I've coached, um, I just got a ton of people that wanted to be interviewed and be in the book. I was going to highlight 12 of them. And I started interviewing them. And I'm doing what you did, by the way, because most people, they just would on these things, they interview them. You just listen to what they say, you edit it, and you're done. 
Well, I'm going back and say, oh yeah, well, so I'm teaching lessons. I'm finding myself teaching. And I got, after about the first interview, I thought, there's no way that I'm going to do some cheesy marketing book thing. And I say, Inc., it's not going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to create a world-class book. And so I interviewed these 12 people. The more and more of them I interviewed, and this was amazing. So in the book, they're... Uh, all 12 of the, of the of the entrepreneurs were on the list three times or more. So for anybody, you know, it, it's the fastest selling companies and uh, fastest growing companies in America privately held. And every year you got to maintain that growth to be back up in the top 500. Now, I'm not talking about the 5,000, I'm talking about the Inc. 500. Mm -hmm. and, and it's serious growth too. It's like several thousand percent or something. Right? Growth, yeah, that's several thousand percent. So you got to keep, you got to keep cranking. So I thought I want to know what it takes to have sustainable growth because now I get to choose. And then I thought, well, I, why don't I just, I went offline, online. So there are companies from 12 different industries and I interviewed them and I'm just, my brain as I'm interviewing them, I finally I pulled out all the commonality that I heard and I broke it into what I call seven success drivers, right? There's so, seven success drivers to hyper growth. And that's what I put in the book. And here's the neat thing for everybody out there. Not one, one of the requirements, no venture capital, no, no uh, silver spoon. If they had money going into it, everybody built this from the raw ground up. Every, all 12 of the entrepreneurs, including myself. And so you see what people went through. You see the blunders and they share their failures and they share their learning distinctions. And, and you know, it, to me, you know, when, when, if I want to, as you read the book, you go, God, you know, they did it. And they tell you how they did it. And I then tie back in, you know, how I did it. And so that's the, what the book was about. It hit number one on uh, um, uh, Amazon Kindle bestseller selling list in both entrepreneurship and, uh, and in leadership. And so I was really proud about that. Um, anyway, that's, that's the book. I can talk about it all uh, for another whole podcast, but it was, uh, <laughs> well, it was, it was a fun project. And I was proud. It took me, it's going to take me 30 days. It took me two years, um, <laughs> because I really wanted it to be good. And, and, um, anyway, that's, that's the story. <laughs> I, I, that's, that's fascinating. And, and you took two years on it because that's what it took. That's how long it took to, to get it right. You know, yeah, and to get that's it right. understandable. And so seven success drivers. So you interviewed 12, uh, people who were on the Inc. 500 multiple years, yeah. and you were able to distill that down to seven success drivers. I'm I'm curious if you're willing to share one, uh, maybe maybe one of the one of the first ones or one of the most fundamental ones that you discovered from this, and and where that came from. Uh, well, the first one was is called the secret sauce, and it is that you have to differentiate yourself. No matter what you do, you have to differentiate yourself. And um, so, you know, if you if you don't have that and you blend in with everybody else, your ability to control your pricing, your ability to control demand, your 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 uh, being at risk of being copied um, are all issues that are going to affect you. You need to be unique. And it doesn't mean you need to be radically unique. You just need to have something different. You think about Starbucks, you know, Starbucks makes coffee. Coffee's been around for a long time. Right. I mean, they serve coffee. They have a, they have a coffee shop that's been around for a long time. They created this cool vibe about a gathering space, and and that was that was one of the unique things that they had, right? And so, you know, it's um, you know, it, that that's really really important, right? I have another one called Systematic Machine, and in the Systematic Machine, it, it talks all about having systems in place, having trackable KPIs and metrics, and so that you can optimize to maximize. You can you know what to improve because you know where you're actually falling down. They all have that in common. And I'll share the last one with you, which is I always thought culture was a bit of BS. 
right? You know, culture, let's do the vision mission and we'll plop it on the wall and nobody pays attention to it. And in this book, you know, it's it's amazing. In this book, 11 11 of the 12, here's the book, but 11 of the 12 um, that I interviewed lived and breathed their culture. I mean, I went into a deep with one of them who talked about how they have meetings every week and every week, they will call out one of their one of their their actual values that they have, and then somebody has to talk about what it means and how how they applied it within the company in the last week. You know, it's living it and breathing it in, and and when you do that now, people want to come work in that environment, right? You know, it's a tough time to hire right now. People want to come be a part of something when you have that culture, and uh, it's not just about you know ping pong tables and and latte machines it's really about it's much more about the environment of i want to be there and be a part of something that is important and we're where somebody's living and breathing these these values on a consistent basis yeah core values it all comes back to it and so i love that you bookended this with secret sauce you really have to stand out and then bringing it all back to culture which is another way to make you stand out, but instead of standing out externally to your audience, you're standing out internally to the people who actually make this possible. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that is invaluable. I had a conversation recently with a gentleman who runs uh, several restaurants and uh, he was having a hard time keeping dishwashers, you know, like, Oh, you know, I'm paying them 18, 20, $22 an hour. I can't get them to stay. You know, I'm like, well, have you ever asked them what they want? Have you ever asked them why they're leaving? Why, well, you know, they should they should be happy. I'm paying them more than anybody else. <laughs> it doesn't seem like money is a motivator for them. Like money's important, but you know, washing dishes is a really shitty job. Like what what can you do to really inspire them to be a part of something that's bigger than dirty dishes? Because if you're missing that, you're going to keep the cycle going. And, you know, it was very hard. It's very hard to get people to latch on to culture because it does seem almost dispensable. But only to the extent that your human resources are expensable. Only to the extent that the employees and the faces of your company are dispensable. Because if they're not, then that culture really is essential. Yeah, it's amazing. Like I got a and I had a client, David Long, um, CEO of my employees, and um, they just do all kinds of incredible things together. But one of the things they do, they do a book club every week. Every week they 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 read read a book. Not, not every every month. I'm sorry, every month they read a book, and then they get together and they have pizza and do this whole big get together on company time. And people share what their learning distinctions are. And you know, people part part of cultures, but people want way more than money is they want to know that what they're doing makes a difference. They want to know that they're a part of something. They want to know that they're valued, right? And so like with my employees, it's all about recognition. And he talks about how people crave recognition, a pat on the back and know it sounds simple or, or acknowledgement. And Dave, as a CEO, every day, at least five days a week, will reach out to an employee in his company and compliment them. He said, Scott, even when one that's struggling, I find something to compliment that. I'm like, stop complimenting everybody every day. Don't get me wrong. But he's reaching out. And, you know, you think about what that does if you're an employee and you just, you know, and the CEO is doing that and you go, wow, you know, it's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Man, Scott, this has been tremendous. I really appreciate you. Where can 
our uh, well first first and foremost who is a good fit for somebody to engage with you and where can they go to do that yeah so in our company we work we only work with successful companies which means that if somebody is in a situation where they're, you know they need either to turn around or their business is going on or whatever else we don't have the, the the resources to help we're advisors so you know most of our clients are successful already um and and as a general rule of thumb it's any company that is five hundred thousand dollars in revenue we have people that can serve them really really well up to about 25 million that they're the owner CEOs of the company. That's our avatar. And it doesn't matter what industry is in. We've helped companies, I think, in over 200 and some odd different industries. And so if anybody's interested in just learning more about what I'm sharing here today, they can go to scotthallman.com. Uh, and then I'm going to put a page on there. So scotthallman.com slash the do zone. It'll be special for, for your folks because, you know, what, and, and tying in some some useful resources, I believe, that will help them be more productive. If they're interested, help them optimize and maximize a little bit more as well. And just, you know, learn a, a couple tools of distinction that can help them implement some of the things we talked about today. Excellent. I love it. ScottHallman.com forward slash the do zone. Thank you very much. And you can get uh, Scott's book, Hyper Growth on Amazon. Excellent. Uh, well, we're going to wrap up from here. Uh, thanks again to our guest, Scott Hallman, for joining us and sharing some of his wisdom on how he gets stuff done. This has been a lot of fun for me, Scott. I really appreciate you. You can connect with him one more time at scotthallman.com. And he has some special goodies for you at scotthallman.com forward slash the do zone. If you're a busy entrepreneur looking to get to the next level, head over to the for more productivity tips, tools, and strategies. Until next time, remember we all have the same 24 hours in a day, not 25. <laughs> what are you going to do with yours? I have a job for you. Open up your phone or get out a piece of paper and write down these three questions. Number one, what is one important task I can get completely done today? Number two, when can I start it? And number three, what impact will that have on my life? Now answer these questions as best you can every single day this week. Then commit to taking action daily. Now you're in the do zone, baby. Let's go. Need some help with accountability? Are you stuck where you're at and not sure how to break through the barrier in front of you? Join the DZ tribe for free by visiting thedozone.com. We're a group of hyperactive entrepreneurs who want to help you get more stuff done. Oh, one more thing. If you know somebody who needs to hear this message, share it with them. Text them, email them, send them a DM on social media, smoke signals, carrier pigeons, whatever. Be sure to tag us at The Do Zone. Also, keep the five-star written reviews coming over on iTunes. That helps new people find the show, hear it, and get themselves into The Do Zone as well. And always remember, the road to success is paved with imperfect action. So what are you waiting for? <laughs> Go do something already. See you next time. Yeah.